This is a Soulfire production. What is up, everybody? Welcome back. We're going to get into some fun stuff today, but before we do that, I want to thank Kyle, Kristen, Lindsay, and Bill for joining the Patreon community, you premium-ass motherfuckers. Oh, I love you. I just love you so much. If you want a bonus episode every week that is 100% crowdsourced, I'm getting the topics and the questions from the Patreon community and putting out a bonus episode every week. If you want to be a part of that, as well as get episodes of this show ad-free, which there will be ads coming soon. I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. If you want ad-free episodes of this, of this show and a bonus episode every week, you can find that on Patreon. One thing I am looking forward to adding to Patreon is a community conversation every month on Zoom. That will be for the Deep State tier only. The Deep State gets preferential treatment in our politics, in our business, and in our Patreon community. So if you want to be a part of the Deep State, hit that link in the show notes and check it out. And if you just want this juicy content, well, then you can be an operative. And that is, that's good too. I'm happy with both. So the link to that is in the show notes. Just click it. It's patreon.com slash Connor Wanders. That's where you can find all the goodies. Now, Something we're not going to cover today, but I wanted to bring up is that Parler will be coming back with a little bit of help from Russia. Interesting how Russia is more invested in our free speech than Americans are. Weird. Very, very weird. Very weird. <laughs> we'll, see how, we'll see how that turns out uh, and if they'll make it back to the App Store uh, on Google or Apple. We'll see. We'll see. But today we're going to talk a little bit about Bernie. We got some stuff about Yang. We got a little bit about the Biden impeachment. Joe Exotic's going to make an appearance, and we're going to discuss the Overton window and who has the most influence on it. If you don't know what the Overton window is, make sure to hang around to the very end when we talk about something to think about. So before we get into all of that, though, I just want to put a message out there for QAnon. Right, QAnon is still going hard. I've followed a few QAnon accounts in the past couple weeks, and they're still going hard. They're still committed to this. They're still trusting the plan. And I have to say that I admire their resilience and ability to dilute themselves into total idiocracy. It is the commitment to being completely misled is just so, so incredible. And they're so passionate about their, 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 their falsehoods. It's incredible. And here's the thing. These QAnon motherfuckers, right? They're so bought in. They're so committed. They think that Trump is their goddamn Messiah. Okay? And they completely forget to look at where their information is coming from and how they're being manipulated. If there is some grand deep state plan to, to enforce control over the entire country, QAnon is not the opposition to that plan. QAnon is a pawn within that plan that is being manipulated. They're taking a little little threads of truth and dripping them out to these idiots and then weaving it with bullshit. That way, whatever truth existed within the QAnon conspiracies now gets thrown out, now gets washed away, the baby out with the bathwater type of situation. And they've created an environment to where they've justified censoring content because you motherfuckers exist. You dumb 
shallow-minded dipshits have ruined so much of our public discourse and then blame someone else. Take fucking responsibility. You are a part of the problem, not a part of the solution. You are by no means the resistance. You are a pawn in the game. You're a pawn. And you're wrong. And everything that this Q character, this group of people within the deep state, is, everything they've, they've, they've predicted has been bullshit. But you keep sucking it in. Because them lying to you was part of the plan. Everything is part of the plan. When your mantra is think logically and trust the plan, everything is part of the plan, no matter how full of shit the people that are devising this plan are. It's nonsense. And it's frustrating. And people look at this and they think, well, the right-wing voices are being censored. It's because of the crazies on your side. And it's not fair. It's not balanced. The censorship is by no means balanced. And I understand that. And I will, I will defend that till the day I die, right? But to think that QAnon is somehow the resistance to some deep state, great reset globalization is so naive and so idiotic that it blows my mind. But then again, it doesn't because people believe in dumb shit all the time. But these people, if, if anything, if there is some deep state plan, you are a part of the plan, not an opposition to that plan. And people need to snap the fuck out of it. They need to wake up, right? It's something QAnon people love to say. Wake up. You're so woke. You're so tapped in to your spirits and your energies and the fucking reptilians. You're ruining it for everybody. And you're making it so easy for the people that want more power over our discourse, want more power over our speech, to enforce that by saying ridiculous shit and causing problems everywhere. You're like the group of dumb kids in the class that break stuff. And now everybody has to follow new rules because you can't be trusted with nice things. So that's my message for QAnon. Had to put that out there. I was, I was thinking about that the other night as I was laying in bed. I'm like, these guys have no idea. They love to quote Orwell and think about, it's like they never read 1984, right? One of the biggest themes in 1984, which is an amazing book, by the way, is that the main character gets misled everywhere by people that he trusts. So if you think about that, the person that ends up torturing the main character in that book is Q. If you're the main character, if you're the one, if you're the, 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 the hero of your own story here, you're the one that gets broken down in the cells by the person you trusted. What the fuck else did you think was going to happen? <sighs> With all of that being said, my little message for QAnon there. Let's go ahead and get into it. It's time for the state of things. Bernie Sanders is back in the game. Bernie Sanders is the new head of the Senate Budget Committee, and I wanted to play this video from him. He did a great job breaking it. It's just good to see Bernie back. It's good to see Bernie back, and I've got some pushback on my celebrating this. I've got some pushback on my celebrating uh, Bernie's new role as the head of the Senate Budget Committee. But the thing is, this guy wants to limit spending on defense. He wants to audit the Pentagon. He breaks all of this down. Let's just play this video and then I'll get into defending myself and my beliefs on this. I am very excited to be the ranking member of the budget committee. You look excited, Bernie. 
and look forward to working with Chairman Mike Enzi, somebody I've known for many years, uh, to work in those areas where we can come up with um, uh, agreement. Uh, let me begin by saying that a budget, whether it is a family budget or the budget of the United States of America, is about priorities. And when we do the budget of the United States, it is imperative that we take a hard look at the problems facing our country, what in fact is going on in our country, and how we can best address the problems. Within that context, I must say that the budget passed last year by the Republican House, the so-called Ryan budget, which called for massive cuts in Medicare, ending Medicare as we know it, massive cuts in Medicaid education, nutrition, affordable housing, and many other programs impacting the lives of working Americans, while at the same time providing huge tax breaks for the wealthy and large corporations, is a budget approach which moves us in exactly the wrong direction. Get them. And needless to say, if the Republicans bring up a budget based on the same principles that the Ryan budget was based on, I will do everything I can to oppose that effort. When we look at a budget, when we prepare a budget, it's imperative that we take a hard look at the reality of American life and that we build based on that reality. And here, briefly, to my mind, is what reality in America today is about. While the economy in the last six years has made significant gains, the simple truth is that the American middle class has been declining over the last 40 years. And I think most American workers understand that. Today, at a time when the wealthy and large corporations are doing phenomenally well, median family income is nearly $5,000 less than it was in 1999. The median male worker, that male worker right in the middle of the economy, half above, half below, unbelievably, in inflation accounted for dollars, made $783 less last year than he did 41 years ago. Jesus Christ. The median female worker, that woman right in the middle of the economy, made $1,337 less last year than she did in 2007. In terms of unemployment, real unemployment, including those people who have given up looking for work and those people who are working part-time when they want to work full-time, it is not 5.6%, it is 11.2%. Youth unemployment is 16.8%. African-American youth unemployment is over 30%. And everybody knows, whether it is Vermont, California, or anyplace else, that we have millions of people today who are working longer hours for lower wages, despite an explosion in technology and productivity. And meanwhile, in the midst of this collapsing middle class, the people on top are doing extraordinarily well, and large corporations are enjoying record-breaking profits. 
So when you look at a budget, it is imperative that you look at the overarching reality of American life. And today, when we look at America, we have to understand that we have an obscene level of income and wealth inequality, the highest of any major country on Earth, and worse in America today than at any time since 1929. Today, the top one-tenth of one percent, one-tenth of one percent, own nearly as much wealth as the bottom 90 percent. One-tenth of one percent owns almost as much wealth as the bottom 90 percent. One family, the Walton family of Walmart, owns more wealth than the bottom 40 percent. Jesus Christ. In terms of income, the latest figures that I have seen is that since the Wall Street crash, 95 percent of all new income goes to the top 1 percent. That is where we are as a nation. And when we prepare a budget, those are the realities, in my view, that we should be looking at. Further, in terms of senior citizens, what we know today is that the elderly poverty rate has gone up to 9.5 percent. And incredible as it may sound, 20 percent of seniors live on, our, live on an average income of $7,600 a year. I'm not quite sure, to be honest with you, how anybody lives on $7,600 a year, but we have 20% of seniors who live at that level. At a time when the average Social Security benefit is less than $1,300 a month, one-third of the seniors living in this country depend on Social Security for almost all of their income, $1,300 a month. In fact, two-thirds of seniors rely on Social Security for more than half of their income. So this is where we are today. Middle class declining, millions of seniors struggling to pay their food, their medicine, and their heat. And what, what do the Republicans do in the House of Representatives on their very first day of the new session? What do they do? On that very first day, the Republicans in the House made a change in its rules that could lead to a 20% cut in Social Security disability benefits for 11 million Americans, including 2 million children, over a million veterans, and over 150,000 surviving spouses. In other words, in the midst of massive wealth and income inequality, the Republicans on their very first day of the new session want to make massive cuts in a program that benefits some of the most vulnerable people in this country, people with disabilities. Today, the Social Security Trust Fund has about $2.8 trillion, which can pay out every benefit owed to every eligible American for the next 18 years. Historically, when one of the funds, Social Security Trust Funds, has run out of money to pay 100% of promised benefits, money has been reallocated to the other fund. This is not a new idea. Over the years, it has been done in a bipartisan way with very little fanfare. It is not a big deal. In fact, this has occurred 11 times, including four times under President Ronald Reagan. And clearly, that is what we should be doing now. Now, let's be clear and understand what the Republican plan is. What they are saying is that either there will be cuts to the disability program, that's a 20% cut if that fund is not replenished, or if the fund is replenished, that money will have to come from cuts 
to Social Security retirement benefits, in other words, the benefits that seniors in this country depend upon. And House Budget Chairman Tom Price is already talking about including Social Security cuts in the budget resolution that his committee will be writing. Needless to say, that is totally unacceptable to me and totally unacceptable to the American people. When we talk about Social Security today, what we should be talking about is expanding benefits, not cutting benefits. And I and members of the Senate are working on legislation to do just that. And at a time when multimillionaires pay the same amount of money into the Social Security Trust Fund as somebody making $118,000, the cap on taxable income must be raised. Let's be clear. The Social Security Disability Program is an insurance program that guarantees income to workers who become permanently disabled and co can no longer work. And virtually every American worker pays into that insurance program. Many who receive, by the way, this program, disability program, are terminally ill. Nearly 20% of all Americans who receive disability benefits die within a five-year period of being approved. Now, let me just Man. touch on a few other issues that a serious budget will look at and that I and my colleagues on the Democratic side will look at. Today, some of the most profitable corporations and the wealthiest Americans in this country are avoiding $100 billion a year in taxes by stashing their cash in the Cayman Islands, Bermuda, and other offshore tax havens. If we are serious about dealing with the massive problems facing our country, this is an issue that must be addressed, and certainly addressed before we talk about cutting programs for the elderly and the children. Today, as a result of the carried interest loophole, there are hedge fund managers making tens and tens of millions of dollars a year in income who pay an effective tax rate lower than a nurse or a firefighter. That has got to change. Today, we have defense contractors who produce weapon systems with multi-billion dollar cost overruns time and time again. That has got to change. Today, we have large corporations like Walmart who pay their workers so low wages that many of their workers are forced to go on government programs like Medicaid, food stamps, and affordable housing to get by. And that is why we have got to raise the minimum wage so that companies like Walmart and Burger King and McDonald's are not huge recipients of corporate welfare. So there are a lot of issues out there. Once again, I look forward. So that pretty much wraps that up. And I wasn't really planning on playing the whole thing, but it's just, I feel like it's important. It's not sexy. It's not the sexy stuff we love to talk about. It's not going to piss anybody. Well, it may piss some people off. I'll probably lose a handful of followers, but I don't really care. Um, this is important to look at, right? When we think about looking at all this, if the, the fact that if you can love Bernie, hate Bernie, whatever it is, but you can't disagree with the guy's priorities. It's really difficult to disagree with his priorities and not and, and see those as, as a non-issue within this country. How we got there, we can debate that. I understand. But the fact that Walmart moves itself into rural communities, sucks up the wealth, and just spits it out somewhere else is not helpful. And the fact that their employees, even many of their full-time employees, rely on government assistance to survive, that's not okay. That's fucked. It's a predatory company. 
I Walmart moved Super Walmart moved into my hometown. It ruined all the good shit. And it brought in like a strip center and some other bullshit that sucks. It's a fucking it's a toxic company. It really is. It doesn't do it doesn't bring the benefit that it promises. And to not and, and to think of the idea of needing to force the minimum wage on those people is only needs to be done because they aren't taking responsibility for themselves. And I don't, I, I don't like the blanket $15 minimum wage, but when you have these kind of things happening, that's what you get. When, when there's no personal accountability or personal responsibility on the side of these nameless, soulless corporations, and they act with impunity, well, then you have to create regulations to make, to make them accountable because they're not accountable to themselves. And it's the same people. It's the Republicans, the people on the right that, say, that preach personal responsibility seem to look laterally and down at other people when they think about personal responsibility, but they don't look up at the government or up at corporations or up at the wealthiest people in the world to preach personal responsibility. So I'm incredibly excited about Bernie Sanders being the head of the Senate Budget Committee. I love that the fact that budgets have to go through him. I would like that Raytheon and Lockheed Martin don't get preferential treatment over the American people to make weapon systems to blow fucking more innocent people up. Let's make some more drones that have an 80% civilian kill rate. That sounds fantastic. Let's put our money there instead of thinking about, I don't know, paying teachers more. That, do, does it seem like our priorities as a nation are, are headed in the right direction? If you are scared of communism, if you're one of those people, if you're one of those people, the right-wingers that have just followed me on Instagram, right? If you're one of those people that's scared of communism, the best way to avoid a communist uprising in this country is to shrink the fucking gap between the wealthiest people in the world and, or the wealthiest people in the country and the bottom. That gigantic wealth cap draws in communism because people are working two jobs and struggling to survive while they watch people that had, you know, just had a handed to them. And that's what it seems like. Is that true? Not necessarily, but that's what it fucking looks like. That's the optics. And that pisses people off. Bernie Sanders would not exist on the platform that he exists on now without that growing wealth gap without stagnant wages in the middle class, without our jobs getting shipped overseas. Thanks to Bill Clinton. Right, this is this neoliberalism and this this draw, this transfer of wealth upward pro- progressively over the last forty years has been a humongous problem. The the fallacy of trickle down economics and Reaganist economics that people still worship for some reason makes no sense. If anything, we need to focus on a trickle up economy. We need to shift. We need to change. We need to pivot a little bit here. And I think that Bernie Sanders is the right person to do that. So that's where I'm at with this. I'm excited about it. Of course, I'm a Bernie fan. You can hate me for it if you want. I don't really give a shit. I think this is a great move to put our spending. He's not going to reduce spending. I would love if he reduced spending. I think reducing spending is a great idea. It's not going to happen. No one's going to do it. But at least the spending we are doing will go in the direction of the American people and not to contractors or tax breaks, to people who don't fucking need it. Okay? That's how I look at this thing. That's how I see it. Disagree with me if you want, but that's where I'm at. Andrew Yang is running for mayor of New York City, and I am happy to see it. This is good stuff right here. Let's check that. Let's check out his uh, his his first campaign ad. This is good stuff. New York City always felt like the center of the universe. I grew up an hour north and came into the city with my brother whenever I could. In 1996, I moved to Morningside Heights. 
I went to my no. friend's shows. I was in the garden for Larry Johnson's four-point play. Mets or Yankees? Let's go Mets. Knicks or Nets? I'm sorry, Knicks, but you've been too bad for too long. I came of age, fell in love, and became a father here. Hey guys, thank you. My wife Evelyn is from Queens. Both my sons were born at St. Luke's. Papaya King or Grace Papaya? Grace Papaya, the champ. Eventually, I became a CEO. I started a nonprofit. Hello. President Obama named me a champion of change and an ambassador for entrepreneurship. I ran for president because I saw that the economy was not working for everyday Americans. 60% small businesses are shutting down. That's crazy. Seeing my city the way it is now breaks my heart. What happened to George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and so many others, it's beyond injustice, it's inhuman. We need to realize Martin Luther King Jr.'s dream of a guaranteed minimum income and get cash into the hands of people who need it most. Hang in there, help's on the way. We'll bring New York City into the 21st century by getting everyone high-speed internet so our kids can learn. Hire more teachers and reduce the class sizes. I think that would make a big difference. It's hard, you know, when you have a class of 30 kids. We'll take back control of our subway. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. We'll create a people's bank so it stops being so expensive to be poor. Love that. Advocacy for universal basic income is so critical. Surest way to end poverty is to put money in people's pockets. It's that simple. We'll reopen intelligently to revive our incredible culture. Maybe we can even save the Knicks. New York City has been my home for 25 years. It's Evelyn's home. We're public school parents. I like that you out in the street, that you out and about. I'm running for mayor for my two boys, for you, and for every New Yorker. We're going to work for you. Thank you. Let's fight for a future New York City that we can all be proud of. Man, I just love seeing that. I think it's a great fit for Andrew Yang. There's a place that could use some innovation. I mean, get the Blasio the fuck out of there. And I would love to see someone as the mayor of New York City who would be willing to push back on even Cuomo. Right. And bring, uh, I mean, Andrew Yang is a bold guy. I don't agree with all his policies by any means. I don't need to, but I think that he's an innovative thinker and he's challenging the paradigm of what Democrats can be, which I think in this kind of civil war that we have going on between, um, Democrats and which, what the one that is coming among Republicans, which I think are both highly productive and may even birth a third party, which I would really enjoy seeing. I think that Andrew Yang is going to bring a level of innovation and, and creative thinking to New York, which is an epicenter of income inequality, similar to LA or any other major city. It, you have so many different tiers of people and levels of people that I think someone like Yang can t try out new ideas in an epicenter like that. And we can see the effectiveness of those ideas because it can't get much worse in New York from what I understand. Like I don't like that place anyways, generally speaking, but it can't get much worse. Right, So they're in a shithole right now. They need new thinking. They need new policy. They need, it, they need a different approach to the way they do business. And maybe with someone like Yang, they can, he can get in there, make some changes quick, see where it goes, and we can learn from that as a nation. I would love to see that. I would love to see that. So I'm super excited for Andrew Yang, and I really hope this goes well. He's got my support, um, and we'll see how it goes. Marjorie 
Taylor Green has a big announcement. Now, she's known as the QAnon Congresswoman and is a complete nutcase, but she has something to share, and I think we should uh, we should give her a platform here. We're going to platform a strong-willed woman who is ready to make some serious changes in this country to get us back on the right track. She's going to get us back on the... Marjorie Taylor Green is going to do it. I th- You know, maybe she'll be the president in 2024. She's a freshman congresswoman, so uh, out of Georgia, of all places, where uh, <laughs> Democrats just took both Senate seats, which is interesting. And she, she doesn't believe that they actually won the election. It was, of course, fraud from Russia or China or yeah, Dominion or whatever, whatever. But here we go with her big announcement from... What what is this is news this is Newsmax excuse me I thought it was OAN this is Newsmax um, similar level of uh, right wing propaganda so let's check this out Congresswoman I understand though you have something uh, pressing something important and something new you'd like to share with everybody Yes I, I would like to announce on behalf of the American people we have to make sure that our leaders are held accountable. We cannot have a president of the United States that is willing to abuse the power of the office of the presidency um, and be easily bought off by foreign governments, uh, foreign Chinese or Chinese energy companies, Ukrainian energy companies. So on January 21st, I will be filing articles of impeachment on Joe Biden. Wow. Articles of impeachment on Joe Biden on his first full day as president. Fantastic. I'm looking at Hunter Biden right now. Fantastic. So uh, we're talking about Joe. Obviously, we know Hunter's got issues as well. Good stuff. Um, you can't make this shit up. How is that going to work? You are a freshman. Uh, you're in the minority. Um, <laughs> what will happen next? Is this symbolic or can you really do something uh, about this? Well, like I said, I'm, I'm a big believer in having people in office that are actually willing to do the job. And I, I can't imagine people in this country uh, being so fearful of a future of a Biden presidency that they may be willing to commit violence like they did in the Capitol here in Washington, D.C. We cannot have that. I do not condone that violence. The American people need hope. They need to know that there are Republicans in Congress that are willing to stand up and fight for them, regardless of being in a minority, regardless of having all at odds against us, against me, or against anyone in Congress. We have to hold people accountable. Joe Biden is on record on the phone saying that he would withhold a billion dollars of foreign aid if he didn't get his way with these deals with his son, Hunter. And there's an ongoing investigation with Hunter Biden's laptop um, into being bought and paid for by Chinese, communist Chinese energy companies. This is a dangerous threat to our country when we have a man that will be holding the power of the presidency, but um, will so easily and is on record for abusing power. Uh, I mean, I think we're pretty used to presidents abusing power at this point, but that's Marjorie Taylor Greene. That's what she's going to do. as a fr- That's her first act as a congresswoman is going to be impeaching a president who has been in office for less than 24 hours. That's going to be your job. As if you haven't wasted enough of our goddamn time, you fucking twat. What the hell is this? Are you serious with this right now? He's not even the, he's not even the president yet. You can't impeach a president for doing something before he was president. Right? If that was the case, they would have impeached Trump for all of his shady business dealings. And the beginning of that statement, you could have interchanged him with George W. Bush or Donald Trump. You can't. What are we doing here? What are we doing here? 
This person is so delusional and so out of her mind and so out of step. As a freshman congresswoman, you come in to learn and try to figure out the way of the game. You don't file articles of impeachment on a newly inaugurated president because you didn't like the result of the election. Okay, And I'm sure you don't like the result of the election within your state where you just lost two Senate seats, even though you in some obscure district somewhere somehow won just by de de facto being a Republican and pandering to a bunch of QAnon retards. This is fucking absurd. Like this is, this is the new right wing. This is what, this is, these are the people, people like her are the reason people are being censored on the left and the right on social media. People like her. Somehow she got into Congress, which is just blows my mind, but it happened. And here we are. We have to deal with her for her term and her speaking up on things like OAN and Newsmax. Please, God, do not let some reputable news source platform her. Like I would, you know what, Marjorie Taylor Greene, how about this? Try to go on Joe Rogan and let him roast you. I would love to see that. Or the Tim Dillon show. Tim Dillon loves talking about this stuff. Go on Tim Dillon and see what, has to, see what he has to say. Like, you do not speak for the American people. And I dare you even try to, like, summon that as if you're so righteous. You're a joke. You're a clown. Okay? Everyone is laughing at you because you're wrong. You are wrong. Do, do, do many of us out here think that Joe Biden is going to be some excellent president? No. I don't even think he's going to make it through the whole term. It's all bullshit, right? It's all bullshit. But... You think this is helpful? There are so many things that you can do for the American people as a congresswoman, and you're going to disrespect your your role in this country as a servant to, to democracy by fucking around and doing this bullshit and wasting everybody's time? Like, are we, are we not tired of impeachments already that don't make any sense? Come on. This is a joke. You're a joke. Somebody who, I hope somebody that follows me is friends with this, this woman. So she, send her this, please. I, this is a call to action. Send her this. Jesus Christ. This is what we have to deal with on a regular basis. But we're in the last, you know, handful of hours of the, of the Trump presidency and we'll see what happens. But stuff like this is just, this is not going to fly. We've got to take ourselves more serious as a nation. Like we, we, we want to talk about personal responsibility. How about personal responsibility to have your fucking facts straight? Like, what are we doing? Golly, she's one of the people that people are scared of giving. She, they're scared that she's giving information to QAnon people in case they want to do something else like they did at the Capitol. She's one of those people. I, how, did, how, many, how much more embarrassing would you like for this to be? This, this is, and I'm sorry to be so negative. This show started out as me wanting to have a good time. But then this shit happens. And it's like, I can sit here and make fun of her and poke fun at her or whatever, but it's like, it's too serious for that. You're a congressperson, okay? If there haven't been enough, if it, as if there aren't enough people that are disgracing that role, you just want to add to that on the other side? Like, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to have a long career in, in politics? You're trying to actually help the people of your constituents, the people that got you into office? Is that actually helping them at all? Give me a fucking break. Let's move on. I don't, I've spent enough time on this dumb bitch. I was a little heated there. <laughs> I was a little heated there. Sorry. I just I try to have fun with this. I try to have fun and make some jokes and laughs. And but it just pisses me off. It just pisses me off. And I think after the inauguration. So the inauguration happens tomorrow. We're going to probably do a show about it. It'll be fun. But 
We'll see what happens. It could also be terrible. We'll, we'll, we, who knows? But um, this story, this story, I thought, ah, this is kind of fun. This is kind of fun and also kind of sad. So let's check this out from Forbes. We've got Tiger King star Joe Exotic's legal team so confident in a Trump pardon, there's a limo booked to pick him up from jail. And it is a truck limo. I think it's like a Hummer limo type of situation. The legal team for Joseph Allen Maldado Passage, better known as Joe Exotic, the star of the hit Netflix series Tiger King, is so confident he will be pardoned by President Trump. Admin, his anticipated 11th hour, blah, 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 whatever, whatever, he's confident. Eric Love, the private investigator leading Joe Exotic's bid for freedom, told Metro on Monday that the 57-year-old former zoo operator's legal team has good reason to believe Exotic will be serving a... Uh, exotic who is serving a 22 year sentence for animal cruelty and for plotting to kill his rival. Carol Baskin will receive a pardon from Trump. Uh, in a quote here, we're confident enough. We already have a limousine about a half a mile from the prison said love adding where we're, we are really in action mode right now. So this is interesting, right? So, um, Trump, <laughs> which I kind of, I kind of hope he does this just because it's like, why the fuck not? Um, at the same time, if you if you've ever seen things after um, after the whole Tiger King documentary, Joe Exotic has really changed his tune as far as what's going on with what he how he feels about um, tigers in captivity after spending time in captivity. So if this guy comes out of prison, if he gets pardoned, and comes out and becomes this fierce advocate for better treatment of tigers, then okay. Like all's well, all's well that ends well, right? Like what he did, he did some really immoral things. I think he can come up, come up and say, you know, those things. I think he was actually kind of entrapped or manipulated into this whole Carol Baskin situation. If you watch the documentary, I think it was a little unjust the way it happened. But I can't say the guy doesn't deserve to be in jail for what he did. And now, with all that being said, with all that being said, it's controversial. It's interesting. But what about Julian Assange and Edward Snowden? Most people consider them American heroes. And the odds are they're not going to be pardoned by Trump. Trump has completely shit the bed in the last week or so. And he could just totally redeem himself here. Just when I thought you couldn't get any dumber, you totally redeem yourself by just pardoning Assange and Snowden. Just do it. Fuck the CIA, fuck the FBI, fuck the NSA, you're Donald Trump. Do what you know is right and pardon Assange and Snowden. And if you want to, you know, pardon Joe Exotic, great. But there's bigger things at play here, one of which is pardoning Assange and Snowden. I can't stop saying it. Do it. They're American heroes, journalists who spoke the truth. And informed us with something that we desperately needed to know. The injustice that was coming from the top down. Now, I hope Joe Exotic gets released and becomes an advocate for better treatment of animals across the globe and becomes this messiah for tigers. That would be fantastic. But in the meantime, people are in exile and in fear of coming home for numerous reasons, aside from the fact that they would be tried for treason or some shit. And we got to do something about that. So let's just keep that in mind as we're thinking about all of this. And now we're to that special part of the show, a special moment 
where I give you something to think about. Let's talk about the Overton window real quick. And I'm going to try and give you a brief explanation of the Overton window. And basically what that is, is kind of this, if you have a, let's call it like a, a display of all the things you could talk about, right? All the things that could be spoken about in public discourse, right? That we can talk about on this podcast. I think we're outside of the Overton window a little bit, but on most podcasts, on, on most regular media, what, like, let's say what mainstream media can talk about and it'd be acceptable, right? So after the Red Scare and, and the fear of communism, like, it wasn't really um, accepted to talk about the benefits of socialism or, or the efficacy, uh, efficacy of socialism, like, things like that um, would not have been appropriate within the Overton window. And it's, it's essentially, if you, if you bracket the discourse that is acceptable, that is your Overton window. And what I want to talk about with this and what I want everyone that listens to the show to kind of play around with or ponder, or just think about, you know, this is, that's the part of the show that we're in right now, um, is who controls that? Who controls the Overton window? Because as some, uh, there was points where it was the five channels you had on TV combined with what was going on, going on in the newspapers, and it was a very restricted source of information. And the CIA got in there with Operation Mockingbird and made sure that they could, you know, they had parrots all over the media that we consumed and corrupted our media system and shifted the Overton window. So because of that, they owned the CIA owned the Overton window. What was acceptable speech? was acceptable to be talked about. Don't for, don't act like we have, I mean, we have freedom of speech, but our thought is really confined to what we consume, right? Garbage in, garbage out type of situation. So if we think about who has that power now, you really, more than anyone else, you really have to acknowledge the social media companies, right? And places like Amazon and their web hosting service. So the thing to consider here is, are you comfortable with big tech deciding what is proper discourse? This isn't necessarily about free speech even. This is more about free thought. Because when you, when you limit someone's ability to even research, right, on Google, if you, Google is obviously the biggest search engine. If you fuck with someone's search results, you're limiting the information that person, you're filtering at least, but limiting that person's access to information. And when you limit someone's access to information, you limit someone's access to context. And thought without context is not that helpful. So we've got to be mindful of the realities, the truths that lie outside the bracket that we're allowed to operate in. And you see more and more of that now on the right and the left. And of course, when you go far outside of that window, you get into QAnon and crazy shit or Antifa and crazy shit on the left. But on the fringes of the Overton window, there's some very valuable discussions happening. But to get access to those conversations, you have to work for it. And do we really want that to be the case? 
I would argue that the, the most valuable conversations that are being had today are happening on the fringes of the Overton window. So are you, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you're on the fringes of the Overton window. So congratulations. But where else are you flirting with the edges of the Overton window? And what can you do about that? And how can you speak up about what you feel and believe as far as who controls the discourse in our country? And as our country being this kind of has positioned itself as a global leader, we lead the world as far as like what is acceptable, right? We know that's what ha- what happening in, what's happening in China is unacceptable with their slave labor and concentration camps, right? Because we stand on some kind of moral high ground in that reality, not in other areas, to be sure. But when you think that, when you realize that what we're doing as far as censoring content is very similar to how China filters inconvenient truths from their sources of the internet. What makes us any better? Right? I mean, they can justify it through their their logic within their Overton window, and we justify it through ours? Is that what this country is founded on? But it's where we're at. That's just something to think about. Hope you guys enjoyed the show today. We're going to jump on tomorrow if the inauguration goes wild. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But make sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube. Gotta get up to 1,000 subscribers. We're not, quite, we're not quite there yet. Need some help. So if you haven't subscribed on YouTube, go search Connor Wanders. It'll pop up. Subscribe. Review the show on Apple Podcasts. Share it with a friend. Do all the things. And most of all, most important of all, keep your head on straight. We'll see you next time.